and welcome to I Spit On Your Grades. Um, I don't often do this because I don't often win. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm no good with an intro. Um, you're joined by me, Faye, as always, with my co-host, Mercer. Hello. And Christopher. Hello. And today we're going to be taking on the zombie genre. Um, so we had a lot of feedback in regard to this. Usual suspects came about quite a bit. Will they feature in today's show? They may. You probably know by now. Um, so I'm going to hand you over to Mercer to give us some comments on those little bits of feedback. Okay, cool. So, yeah, we had uh, made quite a few suggestions. Um, made quite a few one-liners, which was just the movie title, Naughty People. Um, it's always nice to know why they're picking what they're picking. Gives us some that we might be able to discuss in the when we talk about the film, if it's the film of choice. Um, yes, yeah, so some of the suggestions that came through, we had um, from Twitter, we had Ari Carruthers, um, who came in with uh, two former video nasties, zombie flesh eaters for the shark versus zombie underwater fight sequence, and zombie lake for its sheer awfulness. It's a sight to behold. I've never heard of zombie lake. No, me neither. I think it's a straight uh, video. Oh, no, it's a video nasty, so it's probably like some 80s jazz. Mm. I've not seen it. And I can't... I, everyone talks about the fight scene between the zombie and the shark. I can't remember that. It's been so, a long time since we yeah. watched it, so... Yeah, usual suspects. We've got Go Hound on Twitter coming in with... I'm always going to say Romero's Dawn of the Dead. But it wants to give a special sell out for the 2008 zombie film Colin. I think that's that one that was made on like a £78 budget or something. Yeah. So that's quite cool. Um, we got from Facebook, Julie McGinn come in with Never Been a Zombie Fan, but Train to Busan mm. is amazing. It is it's an incredible. absolutely brilliant film. It is a brilliant film. Is it going to appear today? Is it going to get ruined by a English language version? Yes, yes, it is. Possibly. Um, again, on uh, Facebook, we've got James Carr coming in with Night of the Living Dead for the Dead Resurrected, Night of the Creeps for a parasitic zombie. Mm-hmm. I could go on. I love all zombie movies. I never even thought of parasites and zombies. No. But. Like, would would yeah. would Night of the Comet fall into that? Is that? I'd, I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah. I reckon that is. I'm probably that Witch Stars thing. What oh we yeah, we, yeah. I yeah. like Witch Stars. Probably. Um, yeah, I'll just do a couple more. We've got Shane Terry who came in on Facebook telling us to watch Dead Inferno, aka Bombshell Bloodbath. <laughs> purely because he's the lead zombie in it. Okay. So if you want to support Shane Terry, everyone. See if you can find um, Dead Inferno. All right. Uh, yeah, and then last, last but not least, just because uh, I think zombie films, you know, they've all been quite serious so far. Michelle Conte came in with Shaun of the Dead is one of my top favourite zombie movies. Shaun doesn't kill Ed, but keeps him alive after he turns. This demonstrates deep male bonds that a zombie infection could not penetrate. Also, it was incredibly funny. Yes. Quite true. Objective. I'm going to get this out there now. We haven't got Shaun of the Dead in this list. There may be other 
episodes where Shaun of the Dead would fall under another certain type of genre that I may use. Because we all know I've got a raging wide on for Shaun of the Dead. But I felt in this instance, it was probably better to focus on zombie zombie films. Does that make sense? Um, Primarily, because well, Shaun of the Dead's a comedy. It's amazing. It's a bromance. It's a friendship film. But the ones we've chosen, I think, are full-on zombie, zombie, zombie films. Does that make sense? Yeah, kind of. Ish. Maybe, maybe my might detail from that. Just before we uh, announce the film that the public picked as well, because there were quite a lot, I'm just going to give you the the the, the runners up. So we did have Zombie Flesh Eaters coming in in fifth place. Mm-hmm. That was followed by Shaun of the Dead. Woo. It was then Night of the Living Dead, Train to Passan, and then, drum roll that we're not going to record from my phone. <laughs> you got it. We knew it was going to happen. Dawn of the Dead, the 1978 original George A. Romero film. Right. Should we maybe announce ours before we go forward? Yes. Okay, so... Christopher, what did you pick? I you saying about going all serious zombie film? I I haven't. Mine is a left field choice. The absolutely brilliant Life After Beth. Okay. I have gone with the two thousand and four version of Dawn of the Dead, which I'll come on to it. I think is a far superior film to the original. Don't. Hate me or at me. Sorry. And, and every single listener has just turned off. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also didn't go as serious as you kind of indicated we all had there. No. And you... I went with the uber classic 1985 Return of the Living Dead. Which is incredible. I didn't say serious. I said zombie, okay. zombie, zombie. Don't have to be serious. But I think it has to be a film primarily about zombies and Shaun of the Dead have got all these other factors into it. Yes, Life After Beth does. It has other factors. But I don't. I, maybe I'm just trying to justify why I didn't pick Shaun of the Dead. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> Fair enough. Anywho. Thanks, everyone, for getting in touch anyway and giving us your suggestions. Yeah, thank you. Shall we crack up? I reckon so. All right, and um, I guess typically we we normally start with a winner, but this week we're switching it up because um, I'm over excited and I want to go first. So, like I said, I'm going for the uh, 1985 Eternal Dolphin Dead. So that was um, directed by, and the screenplay was by Dan O'Bannon. Um, did you know? I didn't know this. This dude did wrote Alien and Total Recall. I did not know that. I did not have a clue until um, until I watched it. I was quite... Well, not until I watched it, until I read about it a bit more. Yeah. I was quite surprised. Uh, yep, it's... Um, it's the story of... Well, it's the story of Freddie, who's just got a brand new job in a medical supply warehouse. And um, on his first day during training, is a trainee... Um, Frank, 
late there. Literally, <laughs> Frank decides to show him something um, exciting and um, very secret, which is... Nice cock. No. Wow. <laughs> Seven and a half minutes in. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, he, t- he decides to show him um, some tankers or... Barrels. Barrels that were accidentally delivered to the warehouse by the government, which contain dead bodies, which are supposed to be the dead bodies from Night of the Living Dead. Apparently, in this film, Night of the Living Dead really happened, but they had to change the story. So mad. Um, yeah, and um, while this is going on, Freddy's friends are looking to party. They just want to party. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to meet Freddy from work because he always knows where to party. Um, so they're on the way there. They go clean a graveyard. Freddie and Frank accidentally damage one of these tanks. Smoke comes out, and what ensues is quite a like savage, funny zombie film. Yeah, I'd agree. With, just gonna say this now because it needs to be said with the best soundtrack of any film. Ever. I knew it was going to comment on the soundtrack. I knew that was going to happen. Obsessed with it. I love it. It's so good. Also, the cast is, is classic. So we've got... I never know how to pronounce this dude's name. Clu... Cluga? Clu... Gallagher? I don't know. I don't know. He's pretty good. He plays Bert, who owns the medical warehouse. Who's in Poltergeist? Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, he's in quite a lot. Um, and... We've got horror icon Linear Quigler mm-hmm. as Trash. Um, trash, again, could be one of the... I mean, do you know what? I'm watching it. She's not. not just drooled. Um, <laughs> you get excited over Linear Quigley. <laughs> What's happening to me? Um, I'm watching it again. Like, what? So, not just the entertainment value, but for, you know, to kind of pick points out that I like and stuff. I'm like, there's not actually a lot to Trasher's character. She probably gets about ten lines. Those lines are not great. <laughs> Those lines I are not love great them. I love them. What is it that she's like? It's when they ask her t- when they're talking about going to the um cemetery to wait for Freddy and she goes, Yes, let's do that. Like that. It's like why? <laughs> She's just confirming she is wanting to go into the cemetery. Just randomly, yeah. Like, yes. Like, I like that. In the most enunciated way possible. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's your fan? <laughs> Be fair, she gets what she wants in the end. She does. She absolutely does. She does get what she wants. Probably the only character that does. I, I think as well with Trash, what I love about her is, I think, that just the fact that she is, like, quite the rock, mm. she really doesn't give two hoots about anything it's, um, it's evident that she does this thing quite a lot as well because and I, this is the first time I noticed this and I've I've watched Return of the Living Dead so many times and to, for, to pick up on it this time was amazing when she starts getting naked it's like oh she's getting naked again <laughs> she does again, it all the time yeah. and her clothes have got like pop buttons yeah just ready to show <laughs> a badge at any like, given time she's got the like stripper supply store to get there <laughs> But do, do, do you see how she gets out of the car as well? She's the only one who kind of like climbs onto the bonnet and then sexily slides herself yeah. down the bonnet of the car. Like she's like like she's performing 
all the time. She's um, on it. She's on. She's on form all the time. Yeah. Do you know what's interesting about that? With my interest in this, do you mm. know, um, Casey? So not the goody goody girl, but the other kind of punk girl. The one who looks like the girl from Tragedy Girls, I think. What do you think? Yes, completely. Not sure. Well, she, Jewel Shepherd, is her name. She was a stripper, and a. Uh, do you know this? We'll be waiting on IMDb to have a look, yeah. and uh, she's in a she's in a film called Sexercise. Okay. So it's literally all all the listings are kind of soft porno, kind of strippery sort like of thing. Like most of the pussycat dolls. She what? Um, like most of the pussycat dolls. Um, well, I, so she was a stripper, and Dan O'Brien saw her, and actually wanted her to play trash. Okay. But she wanted to not strip. Right. So she, which is quite bizarre because you just mentioned she made a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, well, it so looked asked, like it were. It might not have been, but it looked like it were. So she asked if she could audition for Ace's role and got it. Okay. But again, for things I don't think, like Linnea Quigley is kind of famous for dancing in movies. Yeah. <laughs> like she always dances, don't she? She's always dancing and taking her clothes off. Uh, so I can't imagine anyone else doing that part. No. And to that song as well. I did think it. it was, if I can just talk a second about the group of friends as a whole, it's an odd mm-hmm. bunch to put together. Don't you think? We've got the really nerdy dude, she keeps calling her nerd. And then we've got the punk. And then the clearly... Preppy girl. And then the clearly the anarchist doing his levers and chains. Yeah. It's an odd. I kind of get. It's kind of a hodgepodge of different stereotypes thrown together, which is fine because yeah. we don't go that in depth with them, so it doesn't matter that they're we- a weird mix of friends. Mm. I get the idea that Freda is like the central friend. Okay. So, because obviously, um, I've got a name. Tina. Tina's his girlfriend. Um, and I guess, like, the nerdy boy is probably more Freddy's friend than it was the other people's friends. So I reckon he's probably just, you know, the central. That's that's the impression Fair I have. Fair I'm really excited to go and see Freddy because Freddy knows where it's at. Right. Freddy also rocks up in Return of the Living Dead Part 2. Did you know that? No, I didn't. As an entirely different character called Tommy. Oh. Mm. Interesting. Kind of like a hatchet, kind of... Oh, Stick yeah, someone yeah. in every film as a different character sort of thing. Anyway, it's back to, back to Return of the Living Dead. Yeah. Uh, so first of all, um, not first of all, I've already first of all with what I did, but... Um, <laughs> 82nd of all. <laughs> what I do like with this is, I think the characters all work kind of well together. So like when when um, Frank showing Freddy around like the warehouse... And he's almost like trying to be down with the kids and be a bit hip and yeah. a bit cheesy. Um, and I kind of like that relationship that's building between them. The entire scene they had where he was telling the story about uh, Night of the Living Dead and stuff, it's so fun. Oh. Like You just sat there smiling watching it because it's, bril- it's brilliant between them. Though. It ho- it's the first yeah. time I've ever seen this. It hooked me at that point. Yeah. I'm just, ra- just like, right, I'm now completely invested in this and I'm two minutes in. 
Yeah, I love it. I love it. And I love the way he is, like, where, like when he's, like, talking to Freddie, he's like, do you want to shoot? <laughs> and all, like, mm, I love the little... I love the little joke about US military technology as well. Whereas I know he's a sturdy. Bang! <laughs> Fucking... <laughs> and then that music kicks in. That music's great. Um, I kind of like that scene as well, you know, like when we're watching the smoke, like we follow the journey of the smoke up into the fridge. Yes. I, I do. Like um, but I, I, re- I really don't like the way that first sequence ends. It comes to the end of the credits and it focuses on that skeleton in the bag. And then just stops like some sort of weird eighties cop drama, and then goes into the story. <laughs> I'm like, fair enough. Bit of bad editing there. Fade out, yeah, fade out. Don't just have, don't just have one shot and then just suddenly cut to another one. Just fade, and fade back in. Yeah, and you're done. Sorted. The um, yeah. the, the logistics of Return of the Living Dead are good in that most zombie films. I mean, I have not seen every zombie film in the world, and I will confess that. Zombie genre is not my forte. I, I don't watch a lot of zombie films because it, it just never really massively interested me. But um, every film I'd seen prior to Return of the Living Dead have been bites or been transferred through blood. And this is transferred through, like, vapour. This is this is the smoke that brings them up, which is really good because that can spread far and wide. You don't need, you're not relying on one zombie going around and biting people. It can just literally mass produce them. It is only the vapors only bring you back the dead. Yeah. Yeah, it's a brilliant, it's a brilliant yeah. setup though. Yeah. The whole way, the way they stagger it, the whole through with just having the the dead body, the uh, dead body, and then taking it to the mortuary, and as you say, the interaction between everyone, the inter- between him, Frank, and the mortuary owner, every, the script is absolutely spot on yeah. between between them. There's not the the teens is clunky, unfortunately. But the rest of the script is tight as anything between them guys. And that's the thing for such a for, for an 80s film that's so, so much fun, and it is fun, it comes together so well. It works so well as a film as a whole. Yeah, and I think the the comedy in the film, it I don't know, it doesn't feel like forced comedy. Yeah. If that makes sense. It just feels like natural within the characters and the way that they act, which I think is awesome. That scene, um, it, it, it is one of my favourite scenes as well. There's loads of favourite scenes in this film. Um, but where they're, um, they've called the boss over, I think it's funny, just before he calls the boss over, he's doing his hair and he's like, uh, we have a problem. <laughs> um, but when they call the boss over, they explain what's happening mm. and then they let the, the zombie out of the freezer. And they're like screaming and panicking. <laughs> I'm like, it's like a Marx Brothers scene. So it's like something from a Marx Brothers. It's film, slapstick. It's pure slapstick. The most, the most realistic, the most realistic scene is when they first get up after being knocked out, and they have the half a dog, and he just grabs a sled, grabs a big mallet, and starts battering it. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what happened. You see, ah. <laughs> It's cool. Yeah, when they take the stuff over, when they take the cut-off body over to Erda, um, that is, yeah, he's quite, he's weird, Erda, and I can't work him out. Did anyone else notice that picture in the background of Hitler? (laughs) It's like a comic book picture, and it's like, it's definitely Hitler sat at a desk with one of his aides speaking to him. 
And I'm sure the music that he's playing has got some kind of like third right kind of he's, connection. He, he does. He does come across as a bit dodgy. He's very so, kind of blonde, yeah. blonde, white hair, kind of Aryan, kind yeah. of. Yeah, I never knew. That. I, I can mean, see see that. Yeah. I'd say as I'd say as well. While while the pre- I say while well, the premise is ridiculous, it's not ridiculous. The premise is actually works really well, but the steps to actually take most of the way through. You don't go, well, that's stupid. I wouldn't do that. Yeah. If I accidentally set off a chemical, I'd be going right. How do we get rid of the evidence? How do we not get? How do yes. we not get in trouble for this? Yeah, you would. How how do we cover up something that we should have reported like mm. X amount of years ago? Eek. Uh, this is what I like about the when they burn. Um, the body is the fact that the the idea that they think because the smokes only got into the the warehouse, but they but then burning the body to get rid of the evidence releases the smoke into the atmosphere. Yeah, um, which I love mm. the idea of that. And then that rain, like with the rain and the smoke mixing and creating like acid rain, is quite good. And then when you can hear like because when it's raining and that, and you can hear like the the zombies. Yeah, the screams. Kind of like and... The noises and yeah. the screams and stuff. I think that's quite... It's quite scary, that. Yeah. So I used to watch this so many times when I was a kid. Um, and it used to be one of the... Like, when we went to the video shop, I'd rent Return of the Living Dead. See, I'd always rent Return of the Living Dead part two. It was always part two. Yeah, so, I, like, I, I... Like, so there's a massive, like, nostalgic kind of vibe to it. Yeah. But... That away, I still think it's an awesome film. It reminds me, this is the thing, it reminds me a lot of Thriller, but Thriller came before it. Thriller came in 83, and this came in 85. So I always thought that Thriller took away from this, but it doesn't appear that it did. It seems it were the other way around. And the way they crawl and bring themselves out of the ground is amazing. It's so good. And that, that was one of the things that used to be quite not scary but used to be quite cool about thriller is the way that they were just pulling themselves from below and getting up and stuff and the stages of decay that they've got throughout the film are brilliant so you've got some that are like that guy who looks like the tango man in the beginning who's not he's just coming into his own as a zombie you know (laughs) like like it's some sort of fucking (laughs) i don't know anyway so he's like just started it and then you've got the half woman who's just totally gone from the bottom who always reminds me of the living dead not living dead walking dead walking dead yeah the walking dead woman um you've got like skeletons do you know what i mean it it doesn't it doesn't centralize on one thing it's all different things yeah you know you used to most zombies doing that slightly decayed yeah just fresh fresh in the ground kind of thing Mm. and tarman obviously tarman's brilliant (laughs) star of the show yeah I like the different kind of levels of the zombies but what I also love about the zombies in this film which I think is probably it's not new as in there is a little bit of running in another one of films that we're going to talk about today but this is kind of like the first time where we get to see zombies who aren't just shuffling morons Yeah, they've got got brains they know what they're doing they know why they're doing it. Um, and they're fast. And if I was in... These are the zombies, like, if I was around, yeah, I'd be dead straight away. Yeah. There ain't no running from me. Um, but I like that, like, the whole concept. Like, so the half-woman, half, half woman, 
uh, was fabulous. Um, she really is. She I is. She is. However, I re- I've got to say really quickly, I have a real problem with her when she's speaking because she's what? hardly got any lips or tongue and yet she is perfect in her delivery. Like the enunciation is spot on, but she's got no lips or tongue. It's a minor gripe. It's a stupid gripe. And I do apologise. Carry on. No, it's fine. I never really noticed it. But what I like about her is that she sets up the fact that zombies aren't just mindless killing machines and they're not killing for the fun of it. She's yeah. like telling them, we're in pain and the only way we can resolve this is to eat brains. <laughs> and you're like, oh, you poor zombie. <laughs> Anyone who's, sure. anyone, who's, anyone who's allergic to aspirin, take note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rings. Uh, but I like her. Apparently she and voice uh, Tarman are voiced by the dude who does the, we think you should. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, by his name, Scuzz. And also apparently Spider, the... Yeah. Um, was homeless when he got the job so that's lucky for him because oh. I think he went on to do like Friday the 30th I know Scuzz did I think he might have gone on to do one as well I checked on his IMDB he definitely went on to make some sort of other horror I don't remember what it was but that's yeah. nice that's nice for him yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah what else what else do I have got I've actually got so many notes um, on this oh trash I'm going back to trash so obviously she gets killed in a way that she says she don't want to die, which is a bunch of dirty old men ripping off her clothes and eating her, basically, yeah. which is what happens to her, which is quite cool. And she becomes quite human then. She's quite like a, a little girl when she's getting killed. You feel hmm. sorry for her. Uh, but when she comes back, do you know, like when she comes out of the mud and she does like this like hand up, like, yeah, move from work, bitch. Uh, and the background you've got, like the echo kind of version of uh, tonight, yeah. but slowed down a little bit. That is freaking awesome, don't you think? I'm I'm just trying to work out the level of how much you're into trash. To be honest, that was a, mini- a lot. <laughs> that was a money shot for Mercer. Yeah. There, he just he's finished. He's done. Roll over. <laughs> True, that part I think is awesome. And then when she walks out and she kills that homeless person, and she's still got like that sexy kind of walk. She, she don't walk like a zombie. She walks like trash. And her mouth extends as well, weirdly. Her mouth looks yeah, like looks it like, jars itself open. Yeah, like a snake. Yeah. I think she's the scariest zombie in the film. Okay. Um, as in, she's just she she just looks quite aggressive, and it's almost like she becomes like. Um, like leader of the pack, so do you know, like we're jumping towards end, but do you know, like when they go into border, like the roadblock. Yeah. She's like in front of everyone doing her sexy walk. I remember they all run, but they're not running past her. Mm. But then she kind of like slows down, and they all run and do their killer. And she comes in and kills who she wants. Yeah. And I think it's quite awesome. It's like she's become leader of zombies. Okay. Which is probably her dream, to be fair. Probably her dream. Yeah. Probably. Once you achieve your first dream, I suppose you have to find something else that you want to do. Truth. Um, And let's not forget, let's talk about, like, the way the zombies actually work. The fact that, like, when the paramedics come to see um, Frank and Freda, 
and they go outside and the zombies kill them. Yeah. But the way they do it is, it's like a mob. It's like a pack mentality. And, so they're luring yeah. them and they're setting yeah, up a trap pack, to get them. And I just love that. Send more parabens. Yeah. <laughs> what? As if, as if the zombie speaks. Or <laughs> I well, you don't know what stage of decay he's in. So they might have only just become one. He's still got that human instinct. And be yeah. fair, tar- be fair. They're all intelligent, though. Tarman creates a pulley system to rip the door off. Yes, he does. He does. Which is for another useful fight. Do you know that part where she's running upstairs away from Tarman? Yeah. And, the... and that stair breaks. Yeah. She didn't know that. We would like they did tell her that stair we're going to go under. So she legitimately fought. Really? <laughs> yeah. I always find it funny that you've got like six of them after who run up and not one of them goes through the floor or anything like that. They're all just fine running up the stairs after that. Missed that step. Um, I'll tell you one thing. There is one thing that does kind of grind my gears about this film, if we're being honest. So suicide gets bit. The paramedics get bit. Scuzz gets bit. None of them come back as a zombie. Well, because it doesn't pass through bites at all. No, the paramedics are outside. Because Trash is the only person who gets killed by the zombies or comes back as a zombie. No, the paramedics do as well, because obviously he's already, t- he's already turned when when he tells them to send more paramedics. He's not the paramedic. It is. That's him. no. Is it not? I'm sure it is. Yeah, he's, he's, he's wearing a he's wearing an ambulance uniform. Is it? Mm. I just know when the police come afterwards, there's a, a dead body on floor, a paramedic with his brains oozing out. I'm sure I'm sure that one who orders him is actually one of the I'm sure he's wearing a paramedic uniform. Maybe it's like the dust till dawn logic in uh, when one of them gets bit they become like takes a while for him to become a vampire whereas when the guy who sex machine kills I think it is he becomes a vampire straight away so maybe it's on your level of tolerance for zombie bites or anything that you know maybe different different rates it works at maybe we'll put it down to that so that you haven't got your gears grinded maybe Maybe. I tell you what I did Uh, like I know he's jumping to the end but when he does eventually get onto the phone to the military from calling on the barrel, the thoroughness of the information that's passed along is fantastic. It's not a quick picking up the phone and going, yes, we've got the situation. Yes. Okay, I'm on my way. And then put phone down. It's like, yes, sir. And how many? And when did this happen? And where did this happen? And they take down all the information. I'm like, that's fucking thorough. <laughs> that is thorough. I'm happy with that. I suppose if you're going to like launch, it. if you're going to launch a tactical nuclear strike, you want to have, you don't want to be working off sketchy information. But most films do. Most films take bites of information and then just go ahead in. You know. I thought uh, they were quite sweet when, uh, when the when he is speaking to them and they were like, "Yeah, we, we we've got a contingency plan for this." And like Case is like, "What do they say?" He's like, we've "Got a plan." And she's like, "Yes." And you're like, "Oh." <laughs> <laughs> You think you're going to survive? You're going to die. Yeah. And then what I think is absolutely awesome about this film, which is obviously setting up for a sequel, I'm guessing, yeah. is the fact that when they go, all oh, right, yeah, it's hit this much radius, only 4,000 people dead, don't worry about the fires, the rain will put it out. Yeah. And you're like, 
Photography does as well. It's quite dirty. It's a mm. dirty-looking film, and that's essentially what it is in terms of its story. It's dirty and it's scuzzy, and yeah, and it doesn't rely on a happy ending or or anything. It, it and and it doesn't follow like the normal tropes of zombie films at the time. I'm guessing so. You know, we've got intelligent zombies who run. Who don't die the way that you think they're gonna die. In fact, we don't even know how to kill them unless you burn them. I think Dawn of the Dead might have set wheels in motion for that because when we come on to Dawn of the Dead, we can talk about it. But there are scenes in Dawn of the Dead where the zombies are becoming conscious of the surroundings, and I think that builds up to maybe this. It's also got yeah. its nods. It's also got its horror nods. So you'll notice the chapel inside the um, crematorium is called. We Chapel of the Dawn, which I obviously thought was a reference to Dawn of the Dead. Uh, yeah. So it's got it's it's got its tropes, but it yeah oh, you're right yeah. it flips them. So this was wrote around about I think they were released at different times, but I think the concepts for these this was around about the same time so as Dawn of the Dead. So they were looking I think initially they were looking at a direct sequel for Night of the Living Dead. Okay. And they they were working on this, and I think Romero might have even been involved at some point or had some kind of input. But I he didn't. Also wrote, I didn't see his name on anything that I was looking no, no, no. into. I mean, in in pre kind of anything happening, right? Okay. But he wrote Dawn of the Dead, and I think you know um, something along the lines of it, kind of like Dawn of the Dead getting picked up well before. Mm. So they had to redo, so they kind of redid the concept. So I think that's why there's such a massive time like gap because it's 78 and 85. Yeah. But I'm sure there's an interview with Daniel Bannon somewhere saying about the initially looking at doing a direct sequel to Night of the Living Dead, which is, I guess, why it's called Return of the Living Dead. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Dawn of the Dead got commissioned first. Fair enough. Or something like that. But yeah, I love this film. Um, and I do think it's a fantastic zombie film. And I think it's one that you can put on and kind of like, just, you know, let it wash over you. Yeah. It's it's a fun, it's a, it's a fun beer and friend film. And a fun on your own film. Yeah, obviously. But I'm just saying, it's, it's the type of film you put on on a Friday night when you're a little bit trashed. So it's a fun hey! A fun special alone time film. Yeah. <laughs> We've established that you want to be all alone with this film. <laughs> I think, yeah, I don't know where this trash obsession came from. I think I'm obsessed with things in quite a few things, which will work as we go along. Mm. But yeah, so that's me and Return of the Living Dead. Love it. 
my pick for the zombie genre is Dawn of the Dead, the remake, 2004. Don't turn off! I know I'm going to get lynched for this, I, but I've got to be true to myself, yo. And I think that the remake is far superior to the original. And let me tell you why. So, the original's a classic. We know it's a classic. Everybody loves it. I find it a bit boring. I'm going to be honest. I find it a bit boring. I do. It's got an amazing opening. It's got like amazing social commentary. And then it's a lot of nothing. Whereas in the remake, it fills that time. It fills it with fun elements. So you've got like them shooting celebrity zombies. You've got them going about the lives. It's, it's a different feel entirely and it engages me more. It draws me in more than the original does. It's got more interesting characters for me. I think the opening scene is a blinder. Like, it gets into it straight away. And I know that... See, the thing is, I'm going to have to try and talk about this without doing comparisons to Dawn of the Dead until we get to Dawn of the Dead. Because I think it's fair to put the comparisons in place there. So I'm just going to talk about it as maybe... Try and talk about it as a standalone film. So the characters I love, Ty Burrell, being an absolute dickhead in it, is amazing. Yes, you're nodding, Mercer. Why are you nodding for that? Hmm, I know. Uh, <laughs> um, Sarah Polly? Not Sarah Polly? Yeah. Sarah yeah. Polly. Um, she's good in it. I like her role. I mean, she wears two vests all the time, but that brings nothing to the table. <laughs> but she does wear two vests all the time. Um, yeah, I, I, I love it. I don't need to see Ty Burrell have sex ever again, no. Oh, I would. <laughs> <laughs> Just say it. Um, I think, uh, Fair, that you're very brave to do this remake as your choice. I'd say thank you, but I am quite terrified of what's coming, to be honest. I, 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 so... When I first saw this film, I fucking adored it. Um, and I've seen it quite a few times. Um, this time, I got some different feelings. I still love the film, but I just felt like there were certain things that, you know, there were some proper standout moments, and then some things that I was like, oh, right. I think it's as you get older, you start looking at things a bit differently. I'm sick of you and your feelings. I'm sick of you <laughs> and your feelings changing from when you were younger. Fucking hell, man. How dare you have a different opinion dare you. of film? <laughs> no, like, you nailed it with the opening. The opening scene is fantastic. That um, The little girl, Hannah Lochner, um, as a zombie, is quite scary. And I think, again, we see it in other films, but you never, they never really focus too much on children being, like, fully evil do they no like in zombie films kids are either alive and evil or alive and good they're never dead and evil or de- dead dead and good don't get looking at all no dead and good is pointless no but like the, the, the focus that they, they gave her of like like the makeup effects on a child quite often you you see that they don't they kind of dodge that like yeah in films but I feel like what one of the things I do love about the opening scene as well is the tropes it sets up straight away. And it happens in every zombie film and I notice this in every one and 
It's not so stupid to comment on it because we all know about it. But it's basically all these little things that happen in the background that nobody notices until it actually becomes apparent that something's going on. So, like, in Shaun of the Dead, he sees the person on the floor while he's going past on the bus. Uh, in this one, you've got the guy in the par- in, in the ambulance who's fitting and she notices it as she's going by. I mean, she works in a hospital. Might not be anything to her. But it, it pinpoints all these little things. Yeah. The, the opening scene's brilliant. Just the fact that you so, they're so caught off guard with what's going to happen. You know, she's come back, she's tired. They've had sex in the shower, like you do. And then, all of a sudden, there's a little bitch running towards them, wanting to eat mm. the faces. No, it's, it, is, it is a good opening scene. I'll tell you what I like. Not that I like, but what went through my mind immediately was when she gets out of house and she stands next to Corey, she looks around and there's all that destruction yeah. going on, screaming and stuff. My mind just instantly went, oh, Anna from Anna in the Apocalypse. Yeah. down the street. God, it's like that scene. Anna in the Apocalypse, everyone. Did it not, um, did it not remind you growing up? Did not remind you growing up. Did not remind you of the cross. Wow. You I know, right? From from a guy who grew up in where? Brixton. Brixton. Um, there's nothing wrong with Parsons Cross. Plus, I didn't grow up on Parsons Cross. I grew up on the Brixton Cellar, which is actually only the seventh. Not word. better. <laughs> in Sheffield, Chilling. So, thank you very much. But um, yeah, I think that I do think that opening scene's really cool. Like with all the destruction and like. I also like the fact that Anna's not dumb. Like, she she gets out. Yeah. She likes to get out. It's quite a tense scene of getting out of the bathroom, to be honest. Because he's, he's very close to grabbing her. He's very close to just yanking her back in. And when she's driving down the road as well and people are trying to get in the car. God, could you imagine? I mean, I don't drive, but if I did... Ooh. It then obviously goes into, like, the whole title sequence with... Um, is it down? Did it start down with the sickness? It starts with down with the sick. So down it, with the sickness again. Banging soundtrack for this one. Banging All banging soundtracks. Um, they the, the get to they get to the mall quite quickly in this one. It happens almost instantaneously, whereas it doesn't in the original Dawn of the Dead. Again, I'm trying not to compare, <laughs> but the, the, this what I'm saying. This one moves at a much faster pace than Dawn of the Dead does, and that's why I like it more because. You, you're not bored. Be fair, Zack Snyder isn't really a director to hang around with a lot of his films. He doesn't. He doesn't take long, lingering scenes. He's very much a let's shoot this and cut as fast as we possibly can. I think they, when when they do get there, they and they try to make the characters have some sort of embodiment of their originals in terms of like the um, the security guards who are just like not trusting at all and. Virgin on sexist, racist, that sort of thing. Interesting. Which character are you referring to? The in original. Um, well, originally you've got all the military who were going around shooting black people. Oh, do you mean before in the the moment? Yeah, okay. yeah. So what I'm yeah. saying is, in this version, I think they do try to bring back some of those characters. It it doesn't feel as poignant as it does in the first. They yeah. bring back some of the actors. Yeah, yeah, Ken, Ken Fury, Fury. Yeah, and Tom Savina. Yeah, and ah, oh, I don't know his name. Scott, Scott H. Right, Gio. Easy for you to say. 
It's the first one to become a zombie in the mall in the original. Oh, okay. Um, he plays like a, 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 a colonel giving a news. So you get like Tom Savina. Yeah, I, I saw that on yeah. IMDb, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I will quickly say, nothing to do with the film, really, but the extras on this DVD are probably my favourite extras of any film ever. I adore them. They're brilliant. You've got the whole newscaster just going through the entire event, entire event as it happens, which goes yeah. on for about 45 minutes. It's fucking great. And when they make friends with Andy, is it, across the way? Yeah. His whole journey from his point of view as well. Brilliant. Extras are so good on this. But again, that's not to do with the film. So the zombies. Talking about... Um, what kind of zombies we've got in there? <sighs> These are fast. They are fast. Uh, fast that you wouldn't expect. So the bigger lady, when she turns, you wouldn't expect her to get up and start running as fast as she does because yeah. I can't run that fast. <laughs> um, but the, the, there is one that bothers me and it's my only gripe in the film. It really is. I think you know what it is. <laughs> Fucking zombie baby, for fuck's sake. It's I a, hate it. It serves no purpose whatsoever. Hate it. It literally is just for shock value, I think, zombie baby. And to have that character in the film. It looks like a living um, dead doll. It looks it like a cheap living dead doll. Great. Um, so I think the idea initially was that the baby would kill the mother. But they decided that were a bit too graphic, as in the nature of a newborn baby killing its mother was well, too much for a, a, she, an audience to take. She turned already, so what? What would be the point of that? So I think they changed it. That's what I mean. I think they changed it so that she changed. Yeah, but it would, but it would, you wouldn't have had a zombie baby no, had she not turned. Yeah, it would have made no sense. It was infected. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I think she got infected, but didn't turn. So she had the virus, but because it was a scratch, oh, no. I think it was just her blood and was taking longer for her to turn. Oh. Then she had the baby, the baby killed her. Well, the idea was the baby would kill her. You can't see this, but I'm checking my head. Yeah, we'd have, we'd have, <laughs> gone, we'd have gone into ridiculous notions of how long it takes to spread, and some people obviously aren't as susceptible to it. No, it's just, it wouldn't have worked, and it's, it doesn't work now, let alone... Before they start, before they started messing around with it, I think the only good thing about it is the scene that ensues when yeah. the Norma goes in. Poor Norma. Yeah. Now, so this is where um, I said my kind of feelings have changed about the film. So when I first watched the film, I felt like you know they were this great set of characters, but this time after watching the film, you don't really get to know much about hardly any of the characters except for a montage scene of them building a relationship with each other yeah so I mean one of them I don't even know her name which one the blonde the girl with the blonde curly hair oh she's um Tyler Tyler's fuck buddy I don't I don't think at any point in the movie they mention her name I called him Tyler it's not Tyler it's Ty it's Steve Steve, but Steve. Ty and Steve. I lost a bit. Like, so, like, watching it this time, I was like, I don't really care about anyone because the only characters that they've built upon enough 
to give you any kind of feeling for is Sarah Pa Anna, Jake, whatever it's called. Is it called Jake in the film? The guy from Medium. In real life. The one who she ends up with. The guy Michael. from Medium. Yeah. Yeah. Kenneth and Andre. Even um even Andre's girlfriend doesn't really get built up enough. All we really know about is she's been scratched and she's pregnant. Yeah. It's Russian. So I, I kind of like lost caring about some of the characters because for me, there were just too many characters and not enough character building. I'm not sure it's about character building though. I mean, a lot of them came off as trash because they are trash. And this is the theme I found when you're watching all these zombie films. People's true colours come out. So that might be why there's like such a heavy focus on race and stuff in Dawn of the Dead because it's fight for survival. It's every man for himself. So uh-huh. would you really be nice in that situation? Or would you be thinking of yourself? Yeah, but even if they paint the characters as not giving a fuck about anyone, it, it, it give a bit more. I just felt like they brought the characters in and then didn't do anything with them. So like I said, so, when, so that scene is an awesome scene where Norma shoots his wife and yeah. he shoots Norma and she shoots him. But actually, if when you think about it, all I know about Norma is Norma's name. Yeah, I guess. That's it. It's not designed as a character piece, though. This is clearly just Zack Snyder doing an action zombie film. He's, those bodies are only there so you can do scenes where they get killed off in various ways. I get that, but we're talking from personal opinions and point of views. That's that's what stopped me from loving this as much as it did last time. More time is invested in understanding anger who doesn't even speak in the film than any than any of the other characters that we're meant to believe these people are living with. Okay. Lindy Booth gets more except for some reason I think they cast Lindy Booth. So Lindy Booth plays the spoiled redhead girl. Um, who acts like she's five years old throughout the film but is mature enough to bang that security guard. (laughs) But I think, like, like, when I was watching it, I was like, I'm sure that should have been a little girl. Well, if you say she's spoiled, that might be why she's acting in that way. I mean... She acts like a child. I know she does, and she's a dumbass, and she ultimately causes that guy to get killed and force on the plan a lot quicker than it would have. Over a fucking dog. I love dogs. Absolutely love dogs. But if this is a zombie apocalypse, I'm not going back to save a dog. That's really bad. I would go to save a dog. I'm sorry, I probably would, yeah. I probably would. Yeah, I would. I probably would. fleshy in fuckers and a dog that's not going to get hit by you. And you go, I'm going to go and save this dog that's going to survive anywhere. It's a dog. My life and everybody else's life at risk. It's an animal. (laughs) Anyway. It's not going to die. Anyway. Um, I do enjoy the the scenes where they are fighting off the zombies. So when they're on the underground and they've got the flamethrowers, that's a really good scene. It's like like in 28 Days Later where they all come scuttling through and you can't see them until they're right up close in your face. Yeah, I thought like that, that. I thought the basement scene, the car park scene, was fabulous when they come out. But I, it reminded me of like demons or something when they're coming up the stairs. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Like twenty eight days later, it's probably when they're coming down the tunnel. Yeah. And you, I think you see the shadows before you see the zombies. It's quite tense that moment. It's quite well done. 
It's great as well when they get in the bus and the bus has just been like ambushed by hundreds upon hundreds of zombies. It looks it looks incredible from above. It looks great. What do you think? I thought again this was something else that kind of threw me this time. I thought the effects weren't as obviously we've done two thousand and four. Yeah. But like they I didn't think they all looked that good this oh. time. So like the CGI fire that looks terrible in one scene. I'm not sure what you're referring to there. Oh, it's when he shoots the propane gas um do you know like when, when crazy Lindy Booth decides to go and rescue that dog and yeah. they have to go after her. And then he throws that propane gas thing in the tunnel and shoots it. Yeah, okay. it's like really bad CGI fire. Just before that scene, what I thought was funny as well, was when she does one and they're all on the roof looking and then they ate car and they're like, what's that? And then they were like, oh my God, it's Lindy Booth. I'm just going to keep saying her full name. Because <laughs> I just look to it. Um, I think so. it's just my dig at you, Faith. She's secretly Jennifer Love Hewitt. Fuck um, off. They like run across the roof, but they kind of like run and stop. And then run and stop. Yeah, about and five times. Like, what are they doing? Where are you looking? <laughs> That's what happens when you do continuous takes. Everyone reset and go again. I just thought that was quite funny. I was just like, I don't, I don't get it um, mm. at all as <laughs> to why they're doing that. Not, not to push it to the end, but my my favourite part is at the end where they eventually get away and the credits are rolling and then you cut into them with the camera and you've got the found footage of them getting to the island, finding that head in a bucket and then all those zombies just coming. It's brilliant. I love it. I, um, I, I think there's some really good parts of this film. Mm. Fair. There's more good in this film than there is, like, little nitpicky, like, parts, like, the annoyance of the characters. There is one thing that I do not like in this film, and I do not like it all the way through. Was it the reflection of your face in the screen as you were watching it? (laughs) Wow. No, it's Michael. Why don't you like him? Because he's so sapper, (laughs) but he does my head in. There's this scene. Do you remember that? They, they, we do that montage in them, and there's this beautiful scene where they're all sat around having dinner together, and they're all laughing and joking, and everything is up there. And he brings and it down. Goes, and then she goes, um, What's the worst job you've ever had? And he's like, Well, I don't know about the worst, but I know what I was worst at being a husband. Well, Kim Buzz Killington. <laughs> Nobody gives a fuck, Michael. <laughs> Shut up. Nobody cares. Everyone's having a nice time. There's something going on. And all you give a fuck about it. Bringing everyone's mood down. Like, why have you done that? And then, with martyrdom, it ends when he's like, I can't go. I've been bit. And I'm like, oh, shut up. That's the right thing to do. Just fucking die. That's the right thing for him to do. It's the right thing to do. But, like, the way he does it is all like, oh, poor me. I'm such a martyr and I'm protecting you. And he's just like, he could have just gone, oh, fuck me. I've been bit. I'm off. But no, it's like, I love you, I can't go, oh, everything's terrible. God, you want Michael. He loves her. That's why he told her. If he just fucked off and left without saying nothing, she'd be like, whoa, douchebag. Just fucking stay, be- stay behind, are you? No, he had to tell her. It's about like an hour and a half ago. <laughs> you know, fucking love her. It's been more like a week, actually. It's been married twice. Mm. He doesn't know what love is. He just gets married. So he does my head in. 
what would have been better if they'd have cast Nathan Fillion because apparently it was one of the options. It, to be fair, if Nathan Fillion was in all films going forward, that would also be great. Um, or if we saw more, like, bad tie burrow. No, like he doesn't, no, he doesn't work. As, he doesn't work as a bad guy. <laughs> he does, he's an asshole. <laughs> it's impossible. It just doesn't know he's too like he's too likable a man. I think he's so camp when he first comes in. Um, he man, and I love him. It's like he's pulled his performance from Muppets Most Wanted. <laughs> Brilliant film. I, I, I love him in this film. I, I there do. There should have been more of him. And I think that girl who he's banging, there should have been more of her because she was a bitch, but they didn't bitch her up enough, and they they would have paired well together. It should have been more of her, but it should have been Sherry Moon Zombie playing up. Why you just recasted the whole film? Because that's who I'd have cast in this film, Sherry Moon Zombie as blonde girl. Should I tell you why I would do it as Marty Girl? I wouldn't have cast Sherry Moon Zombie because all we'd have had is an hour and a half of her ass. I love the girl, but I can't get away from her ass. Don't matter, they'd have had it out anyway. This was a first watch for Chris. (gasps) You hadn't seen it before. What did you think of it? I, I really enjoyed it. There you go. <laughs> it's as I say, it's an action it's an action zombie film. It's basically if you're if you're the dead have gone action wise but rather than comedy. It's fast, it's I would say I don't need in depth character analysis for these people. I'd say maybe if I'd if I'd have gone back to it if I'd watched it however many years ago, two thousand four was 2004, and then came back to it now, I might go, oh yeah, that doesn't that doesn't work. But when you put it on, you have an hour and a half, or hour and 40 minutes of just death. So you go, okay, these lot together in the big big supermarket. That's what they call them in the States. The, the, big, the, the, big, big the big supermarket. <laughs> in the mall. Then, that's exactly what, in the same way as Return of the Living Dead, is just splatter and fun. This is exactly the same, but far heavier on the action than the comedy. Do you prefer this to the original? I do prefer this to the original. What about you, Mesa? I prefer the remake to the original. Right, you all heard that. I'm not getting shanked by myself. We're all going down on this fucking ship, yeah? The only issue I have is why, why even them all in America, they have a ready stock of polo mallets i don't i don't know i don't know anyone or any of our listeners will find somebody who plays polo but they have a ready stock in there this was literally this was literally chris's takeaway from the film is that he didn't believe you could go into a sports shop and have polo mallets ready he didn't believe this that was the most unbelievable thing about i'll tell you if you go into sports direct you can get big mugs you can't get a polo mallet just a quick question. Zombie attack. I've got a crowbar, a nice big iron crowbar. Am I going to swap it for a mallet? They're pretty heavy. Mallets are longer, more distance. It's like yeah, a. The longer it is, I think the less force you get. No, when you get ball. no, when you get a swing on, if you get a full swing on it, a lot of force behind a mallet. So like yeah, baseball bats are about that big. Like you have to bring it back and bring it round. So by the time you've done that, they've, they've passed 
mallet part, they're on stick part, and they're in your face. We witnessed it in this film. But you can strike earlier because it's longer. No, I, I wouldn't have swapped my... So, but, you know, he's a, he's a douchebag. If it were me personally, I would have gone into a gun shop and got a gun. But there you go. Oh, yeah. Yeah, how... That's that's the other unbelievable thing. It's like the gun shop is outside of the mall. Surely in the states, no, no, they're just they're just there in the mall, ready. Yeah, they're all in like. Well, I don't know if it's. But he's over. His his gun shop's over the. His gun shop is over the road in this side. I don't know that there is gun shops in malls. In in Walmart and in like. In um, the original door. In the original Dawn of the Dead, there's a gun shop. There's a gun shop in the mall. Yeah, you know, it's since 1978. Yeah, I think it's exactly the same. Yeah, if you can go into whatever Target or Walmart and pick up a gun. So why wouldn't there be ones in malls? So that's my love for Dawn of the Dead. I think it's um, fast-paced, fun, inventive in parts, and I'm really sorry, shit's all over the original. Okay, so the my choice for best zombie film... As I say, it's a, it's something that no one, not one single person, recommended as, <laughs> as best zombie film ever, which I feel is harsh because it's the best one. It is 2014's Life After Beth. See what they did there? It's like Life After Death, but Beth. Oh, I didn't get that. Do you get that? Do you get, do you get, do you get what they did? My little woman brain didn't get it, sorry. I'm not sure you turned this into a sexist <laughs> issue. <laughs> It's a fucking war. It's a fucking war on issues. <laughs> anyway, from Jeff Boehner, we are talking a all-star cast. Just break down the plot. Dane DeHaan plays Zach. He has recent been recently bereaved. His poor girlfriend Beth, played by Aubrey Plaza, has sadly passed away after being bit by a snake on a hiking trip. However, is she dead? Is she really? Because John C. Riley and Molly Shannon are doing some shady things around the house. So we go on this emotional adventure with Dane DeHaan as he finds, loses, finds again, and ultimately loses again, Beth. As I say, absolutely all-star cast, along with Dane DeHaan and Aubrey Plaza, John C. Riley, Molly Shannon, Anna Kendrick, Paul Reiser. And the name but few. And podcast favourite alarm, Matthew Gray Goobler. I'm pretty sure Chris only picked this so he could mention Matthew Gray Goobler. I love him. He is absolutely he is brilliant in every single thing he does. He I have not seen a bad performance from that man. But you will not see a bad performance from anyone in this film. See the way that ties in. See, segue. Beautiful. Beautiful. The reason the reason I love this film is I say because zombie. I don't. I don't mind a good zombie film. I don't mind people being beaten in, beaten, bitten, eaten, beaten, whatever you want to do. Beaten. Whatever floats your boat. I have no issue at all with that happening. But this is just far more. This is just there's zombies. There's people being eaten. But it's all about what would you do to protect that person you love, and what would you do to have them back in your life, and how far would you go? I said while we were watching this that to me, Life After Beth is very reminiscent of Swiss Army Man. That kind of fantasy, kind of indie. And it is. It's like an indie, oh, an indie zombie. 
It is indie as fuck. Yeah. But no, you're right. All the leads are brilliant in it and it's really funny. Really, really funny. I love seeing John C. Riley pop up in anything. And the way that him and Molly Shannon act, trying to protect her, has me in hysterics. It's fantastic. I love it. And obviously Aubrey Plaza is amazing. It's a... It's as you say, it's like like Shaun of the Dead and Dawn of the Dead. We go when we we start with the funeral, obviously we start with the combat for the funeral. But there's those little things that you don't pick up on straight away. Like the mailman giving him a full handful yeah. handful of letters. And you just look at it and go, That's really odd. It's only when you watch it back again, he's so clearly a so clearly a zombie just doing the same thing over and over again. Who is actually Jerry from Parks and Rec, by the way? Which I yeah, didn't notice like before. references in this film. Yeah. FYI. Um, I think... I agree with you. I think the cast are pretty solid in this film. And I think everyone gives a really, really good performance. Um, I love, like, like, the different levels of, like, where they're at within themselves mm. as people. So, like, you've got Oberet, who, which comes back, Literally, I got a clue what's going on, and she didn't understand why everyone's being really weird. Yeah, and saying things to say it, and I think like that confusion that it's like I don't know. I think she's she does that brilliantly, um, and then I think Molly Shannon and um, John C. Riley do a really good job of like not really understanding what's happening, but knowing that what's happening is good. And then try to balance like how they like keep that good thing to themselves. Well, they can't obviously think it's that good if they're hiding it. If they thought it was the a good hide- thing, well, they, they don't want they don't, they're like most people I imagine that circumstance. You go if you go to the a doctor and go, hey, my my daughter has died, but she's come back from the dead. The government aren't going to go. Oh well, off you go then. <laughs> she's gonna, she's going to be taken and experimented on you're probably never going to see her again that's what i mean they're hiding the fact that something so amazing has happened because they don't want to risk losing it again i find that both the parents well both you know both the parents household in this film are actually a bit douchey especially his parents his parents don't give a fuck what's happening to him they're just no. con- they're just concerned with the um, lifestyle and making friends with the right people and they don't it's basically she died like a week ago and they're going let's get over it it's been a week fuck's <laughs> <laughs> sake although that's that's it that's the only thing that I will say I love, I love the film but Dane DeHaan occasionally can get slightly too slightly too mopey for mm. me but that's his <sighs> character I thought his mopey was good what I didn't enjoy about his character arc was the way he starts acting when Beth's alive, knowing that he's got that kind of one-up that like they don't want him to tell her. So like the way he's like kissing her in front of his parents and being like obscene and like kind of like saying things like, oh, "Maybe you should tell her the truth," or "We're doing this because you know I've got something on you." I thought that was quite repulsive. I think he's not acting himself because this is not a normal situation. And she is especially bloodlusty at this point. So she's encouraging it and moving it on. She's just lusty at this point. She's so lusty. <laughs> yeah, 
She was just lusty at this point. She weren't bloodlusted, but the way he acts, I think he's quite douche. But again, it's it's exceptional circumstances. It's not something you find yourself in. And if he's that mad at them that they're not telling her the truth and they're not allowing him to tell her the truth, then he's going to act out, and that's his way of acting out. See what? See, I kind of so my thoughts were he's he's matching Beth's behaviour, mm. but Beth's kind of like so if we go on a, a Freudian level, Beth's kind of lost her ego and her super ego. So she's lost the the thing that the things that control your public behaviour, mm. and she's just acting on impulse because that's all she's got. But we can excuse her for that because she was bit by a snake, died, he came back from the dead. He's just acting like a dick. Like the way he's acting, I, I just even even though it's an odd situation, I just think it's disrespectful to her parents. Which may be self sabotage in a way, because before she became a zombie, she was ending it with him. And he absolutely, you know, she didn't want anything to do with him and he was heartbroken about it. But then when she died, he romanticised the whole thing. Like, oh my gosh, my ex-girlfriend died. I'm never going to be able to get over her. How would you get over a dead girlfriend sort of thing? But getting back together was the wrong thing for them to do. And maybe he realised that that's what was happening. So he was trying to sabotage it to save her the heartache later down the line. Which ultimately, he does have to do in the end anyway. Push her over a cliff. He has to do it. They're very much just like two teens. They break up, get them back together, break up. That's just made far worse in this circumstance by the fact that her reactions to what happens are far more extreme because she's dead. No, agreed. I'm, I'm just saying in terms of his behaviour with the disrespect yeah, of the can, parents. I think you can excuse. I think you can excuse the behaviour. I think it's an extreme situation. And to be fair, they were trying to hide her completely from him. Mm. So you can't blame him when. He acts that way when he does actually get an advantage. I tell you what, should have wrecked his relationship. That awfully cringy moment when he's trying to serenade the rock beach. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, yeah, any any person who does have a, sits on the beach with a guitar playing a kid deserves what deserves whatever happens to them. Don't worry, Beth put a stop to that. So that's fine. She recognised that behaviour was wrong and put a stop to it. She did, but it's interesting how she put a stop to that. Not that I like to throw things out there or be, like, a victim or whatever, but she tells him that it's gay. I just thought that was quite an interesting choice in 2014 to say, oh, my God, this is so gay, in a negative way. She's a teenager, so... Mm. And it's slang, and he's playing a, he's playing a really emo-y, heavy emo kind of music, serenade. And you know she's a bitch. Yeah, you know that from they were going to split up. Just an interesting choice of, of, of term to use in, in quite a modern movie. Well, you, the thing is, sometimes I do think that some dialogue is relevant to the film. It doesn't necessarily mean that anyone's thinking that or believes in that. It's just a thing that people say. It's like, we, just as a side note, we were watching <laughs> Baby's Day Out yesterday. <laughs> It was on TV and I got sucked in. All right, don't know what happened, but I got sucked in. I'm fucking, I'm ashamed of it. All right, I had a shower after, but they were doing some fat shaming in that. Quite a lot of fat shaming, and I said, "Isn't it interesting that in this day and age you would cut out something that may 
project homosexuality or race in a negative way but then you still keep stuff like that in and as chris said it was relevant to the plot because you wouldn't have been able to have the follow-up had he not insulted her in that way you wouldn't have been able to see the woman who's got the baby in the carrier be a kick-ass about it so i do think that sometimes it's it's not necessarily what somebody believes when they put that in a script it's literally just showing that person's personality yeah, just like, like I said, I'm, I'm I'm not a snowflake. Mm. I just I just I just came across as interesting to me. Just okay. uh, like because if the film was like 2009, 2002, I'd be like fair enough. But like it's only six years old, so I would just yeah like, That's yeah. Okay. That's how she stops him. She calls him gay. You heard that, everyone? Gay. <laughs> Stop sabotaging my vote. Anywho. Anywho. We haven't even we haven't even talked about some of the other cast. We haven't even talked about Anna Kendrick, who is absolutely brutal. They have the most perfectly awkward lunch. Mm. It's funny because the the very first like all I wrote on my Anna Kendrick point is I love how awkward Erica is. Like, the whole, like, she's so awkward, she's so good at it. Um, I don't know Anna Kendrick's work that well. Um, I just know she's in Pitch Perfect, and I just feel like this must be a life time away from Pitch Perfect. I think as this character, she she mirrors his mum quite well, and that's why his mum, in my head, wants them to get together, because it's basically a little carbon copy of her. She's really good up in the air as well. And Table 18. Oh, Table... Is it Table 19? Or whatever, it's, whatever oh, it may be called. Oh, it's a really good film. But she, does, yeah. she has a wide range rather than just a Pitch Perfect mm. films. Uh, yeah, I've just never seen her in anything before. Okay. I know I know who she is, but I've just never seen her, so I, I, I really like... But I think she's awesome in this film. She's Wait. probably one of the stronger characters, even though she's not in it that much. Not the strongest, though. Hey, Chris. Strongest character obviously being Matthew Gray Goobler. Matthew Gray Goobler is the strongest character because he's the wannabe, wannabe cop. Where he's actually the, uh, they have they have them far more in the states. Where you have a, a complex basically of houses and you have security just for that actual estate. Yeah, he's he's sitting there cleaning his desert eagle. <laughs> it's uh, Tay White is Tay White. See that's. There is there. Why front? Yeah, yeah. Why front? Tighty wise. I mean, there's a clear difference between him whether he's the hero, whether he's ultimately the hero, yeah. and Dane DeHaan's the villain. Dane DeHaan spends a whole film in black, whereas Matthew Gray Goobler is there in white. He's the good guy. He's the hero. He's the one who's mopping up zombies at the end of it, protecting everybody. I do love when he's just killed his granddad and he's just pacing around in his pants with his gun. Just the image of it just makes me howl. It's brilliant. So oh, funny. Shot him for the first time. I actually put again. That's a notable scene for me because I was like, I don't like that scene, except for Matthew Gray Goober. Yeah. If he went in that scene, I'd just be like, what is the point in this? And when he's trying to get her to when she, when he's trying to get his brother to kill Beth as well, it's like take the gun. <laughs> <laughs> so good. I love Matthew Gray Goober. We all do. We all love him. And we end up with we end up with another film with a sad ending, another another not happy ending. Ultimately, I see it as a happy ending. I don't see that. I don't see shooting 
having to shoot your ex-girlfriend when she's become a zombie as a happy ending. As a... It's a semi-happy ending because they're there at the end and he's there with Anna Kendrick and you don't know whether things are going to be fine. But as I say, having to, having to execute your ex-girlfriend, I don't class as a happy ending. I think the entire film for me is um, a tale of missed opportunity and how if you get that a second chance, it's not always going to be the perfect ending that you think it is. So as I said before, I, I think he romanticised his relationship with Beth because she died. And when he got the opportunity to get back with her, when she couldn't remember anything about breaking up with him, so it, essentially a clean slate, and he got back with her, he started to realise, even though she was turning into a zombie, it's clear that her personality was coming to the forefront and everything he didn't like about her before and she didn't like about him was coming to the surface. So you get that second opportunity and it's not always the fucking greener side of the fence that you think it's going to be. And ultimately, he ended it. He ended it to be with Anna Kendrick. He realised he liked Anna Kendrick. Well, it doesn't end well for uh, best parents either. Let's say John C. Riley's dead by the end of it. Yeah. She's eaten him. And Molly Shannon has cut off her hand because she's feeding it the best. So, so any kind of tie that he would have had to his old life has gone. And now he's moving on to a new one. So I think it's a happy ending. It's a happy ending for him, selfishly. But it is still a happy ending. Interesting that I, like, the whole Anna Kendrick thing, I just think that's, like, um, an an opportunist kind of jump into something to kind of get over what I've just been through. What I thought was sweet about the, my ending of the movie was when he... When he shoots Beth, but just before he does, and he he, he he tells me he loves her, and she loses a zombie voice and tells him that she loves him as if that one grain of humanity that she had left was there to tell him that she, she actually did love him. So do you think if he did genuinely love her, he would have still shot her at that point? Or do you think he would have gone, hang on, there's still something in there, I'm not going to do this. He did it because he wanted rid for no, me, I, I, that's no, what I think. I think I, that. I think you're wrong. I think shut up because that's what he had to do. Because she was never going to be there again. She was just going to be a zombie, and he couldn't put her, himself, or anyone else, like her family, through that. He's he's so he he became a douche, but during him being a douche, he also watched the impact that other people coming back from the dead were having on people. Hmm. And, and the lengths that, like, Molly Shannon specifically went to to kind of keep her daughter, he couldn't put people through that. So I actually think he did the right thing and he made a conscious decision to do so. That's fair enough. I'm just saying I don't think it's as black and white as it seems in that he shot her and that was it. I think his own emotions came into play as well, that's all. <laughs> I'm sure you've just said he shot her so that he could go out with Anna That's what I mean, his own emotions, his own selfishness yeah, in wanting to go there. I do think they came into play, but I also think it was not just a case of he wanted rid of her. I think there was a bigger picture. Fair enough. I think, um, I, I've got to say this, I didn't like the zombie voice that Aubrey Plaza was doing. It completely cut me off. Yes. Just so you know. <laughs> It sounds it sounds weird for her when you see her and everything else because she's got that kind of because she's got that kind of really or well not ghoulish that kind of gothy kind of downbeat sound anyway 
just her putting on a gravelly version of it doesn't really... I have no problem. It didn't take me out of it. I, I didn't sit there going, I hate that voice, but I can understand why you'd have a problem with it. For me, I think the film's kind of... It feels like two different films to me. As in, I think we've got that kind of, like, emotional aspect of what it's like to lose somebody and what would happen if they came back and how would we deal with that. And I was well on board for that. Then whenever... Then the like comedy aspect and the you know the comedy voice for the zombie, which let's face it, it was a comedy voice for a zombie, and the other people coming back from the dead, all in a comedic way. So like you said, the postman throwing mail at him, the granddad, the owners of the house. I kind of I switched off at that stuff. So it, like to me, really played like a film of two kind of halves. So well invested in the, the emotional side of it and if it was purely like a if this played like a Harold's going stiff just got to mention Harold's going stiff but if it played like a Harold's going stiff straight down the line drama which all of them people were capable of doing even with the comic like the you know like Aubrey's character being as it was up until she starts doing zombie voice and going rage but if it played more straight down the line, I think I'd have bought into this film a lot more. You can also find a straight down the line Life After Beth with Before Dawn. Have you seen Before Dawn? No. It's um, Dominic Brunt's film and his wife goes jogging, gets bitten, comes back, turns and he keeps her in the house that they're staying at. And it's again, it's a much more serious play of it. It's really good. So if if you wanted to check out a serious version of Life After Beth, then you've got Before Dawn as well. Or if you just wanted to watch the perfect balance, regardless of what Versa <laughs> played, the perfect balance between straight down the line, emotional and pitched absolutely spot on comedy throughout the whole thing, then you watch Life After Beth, and that's why it is the best zombie film. Uh, so now for the listener's choice, we have the original Dawn of the Dead, My Pick's Nemesis. Uh, not really. Um, I, I, there's not really much that can be said about Dawn of the Dead that you don't already know, because obviously you all picked it. Um, it's following on... Is it supposed to be following on directly from Night of the right. Living Dead? I believe it's, uh, it's... I believe it's a direct sequel, but I don't know whether it's the same story. Well, it's... It, the same... We've got zombies uh, going around eating people. Um, it's become a pandemic and everybody is trying to survive. You've got the military out there and they eventually, well, a few of the military eventually with um, a few civilians go to the mall and hole up in there, um, obviously infested by zombies and just about them trying to survive. The... I tell you what, I'm going to let you guys go into this a bit because I already, I've touched upon it with my review. So if you guys want to... Yeah, yeah, but, but I, I I like about 30% of it. No, it's, there is a lot, my main gripe, I know it's something positive, but I look at that's the way. My main gripe with it is the fact there are huge stretches where absolutely nothing happens. Yeah. It's, we have... I know, obviously, the film is designed to warn about the perils of consumerism, the fact they're in the mall, 
but we have two scenes where they go deliriously happy shopping. The first time when they go down and they get in the first initial supply run. And then we have another five minute sequence later on when they're doing the weekly shop. It's, I get it. I get the consumerism is bad and that's what you're driving at. I think the most important thing about Dawn of the Dead is the initial 15 minutes for me. It's clearly a comment on race and it's really sad to see that that was something that was portrayed then in a film because it was actually happening and it's sadly still happening now with obviously recent events. I don't I don't want to go full political, it's, you know, because... There's far, people far better qualified to talk yeah, about politics yeah. than we are. But um, it's, um, it, it's not nice to see and it's quite clear the message that's being sent in that first 15 minutes, I think. The, the building that they, they're in is purely a building full of, like, black, Mexican... Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's some Dominican Republic, but yeah, it's definitely a building full of ethnic minorities, mm-hmm. let's say. Um, and see, it's for me, it's that one character, so the commander, yeah. who's purely, like, he clearly blames the non-whites for what's going on and he's very trigger happy and just wants to kill everyone in that building whether that be they be zombie or not yeah um, <clears throat> but it's nice to see that you know some of the characters did disagree with him uh, and nobody stopped so i think it's ken fury for his character who kills him ultimately yeah. nobody stopped or retaliated which I think is nice mm. to see in one aspect. But yeah, the idea behind it is obviously he's 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 played a blame for it game and that's not good. There's also um a scene in that first intro where Ken goes into a room and all the zombies have been held, um and he has to kill them. And you can see I, I mean I don't know if at this point he knows fully what's going on with them being zombies and such. But you can see he looks almost pained that he's having to kill yes. his own people. I, not just his own people. I actually put, again, one of the things I that stuck out to me was when he shot Willie or Wally, whatever his name was, the army man, there was no remorse. There was no hesitation. He just did it. But with these zombies, he's shooting people who, he knows, like the real people who... Or infected, and like you said, the turmoil that he's kind of going through as to is this the right thing to do? Um, I think is really good. Yeah, I, I do but think that the race plays. Well, it's whether it's a com- a, whether you look at that as a commentary on inner city black on black violence or not. I say that there's people more. You can read that. I'm sure. I look at it. Read it that way. Read it that way. Okay. But I say we'll try not to get. Although we can't not mention the politics of it no we try not to get too bogged down in it because i say there's a i'm sure there's a thousand papers written on dawn of the dead it was interesting as well because as you got more into the film i mean it's been years since i've watched dawn of the dead because last time i watched it i wasn't a fan as i say um i don't know if it because i was younger i didn't particularly enjoy it this time either but there's some scenes in it that are quite stand out and one of them is the way that you've got like I said when they go into the building it's full of what 
you would consider minorities the fact that they're just getting shot and there's horror in there and there's violence and it's nasty and it's bloody and then you've got the group of white people who were stood around making it like a spectacle like a day out so they're there with the drinks and the guns and the shooting the zombies and the laughing because they've got that privilege to do so no one's going to come up yeah. and shoot them and it's it's really interesting to see that no you mentioned that comment i don't think that's he mentions that just another group. I don't think it's a white privilege thing. He's saying I think about, it is. Because he said no, because he said about how the hillbillies and the rednecks will be having fun. So it's not, I don't think it's. But, but, but what, what are hillbillies and rednecks primarily? Yeah. Why? No, I mean, I think it's the fact that they get to hunt black people. I think it's, I think it's a comment on race. Anyway. The <laughs> thing we really didn't enjoy. <laughs> so, what I said was one of my downfalls for the remake is the fact that there were too many characters. Mm. What I liked about this one specifically is we focus primarily on them four characters, which gives us time to get to know each one and what they're doing, how they act, how they interact with each other. And then when you see, like, one of them die or the, when they die, you, I think you care a bit more. Mm. So, that's, that's, so that's one of the reasons... Yeah, one of the things that I do prefer about the original yeah. is the focus on the characters. So it does feel more like a, like yeah, like a character piece with zombies. Okay. So when you're saying not a lot's happening, for me that was like the build up of like the characters and the story getting to understand the world that they're living in and the way they're acting because what other options have they got? Mm-hmm. They do. They do tend to go back to the normal lives in it, and like say, building up these houses and setting up like a living room and stuff like that. So making it as normal as possible when it's anything but. But it just yeah. felt like there were long periods of time where it was just nothingness. And I think that's for me was to just kind of highlight the fact that that's what there was in their scenario in their world. There's Nothingness. Yeah. It's like pictures in lockdown. If you were to film a lockdown story now, what would we do it? Most of day, like working and then doing shit all, like sat watching telly. I wouldn't be paying to watch our lockdown story though. <laughs> what? I wouldn't be paying to watch our lockdown no. story. No, but the, but what I mean is like the idea is they're they're isolated, they're trapped in a mall, they're doing what they can. It's gonna become predictable, boring, and just normal. So, yeah. I, like, to me, that doesn't bother me as much as it obviously grates you too. Okay. So, the, the slow stuff, I liked. Um, there you go. Um, we also got zombie children in this one as well. We did. Full-on shooting of zombie children as well. Full-on shooting, although you'll notice the makeup of the children is just pale. They, they don't really do anything to show how they were killed. Mm. And we, yeah, we, don't, uh, we, don't, we don't see them get shot through the head. No. We just get yeah, no. splatter. Yeah. And, Whippersnappers got a lot of energy, maybe. I think that's where future films got the idea from, to be honest. In my mind. My mind's eye. In my mind's eye. <laughs> um, so, also, with this film, I don't know, I, again, brand new, weren't aware, uh, watching it 
watching film, uh, well, watching t- titles of film, and it was like, soundtrack, Dario Argento. Yeah, I noticed that, yeah. Um, it's also got Goblin in there. Yes. I found this, for me, which this is because I like Goblin, but for me, I actually found the soundtrack off-putting. As in, I found that what the music, like, it felt like the music was out of place with what was happening on the screen. Are you talking about... Just in general, throughout the film, See? at some points I was like, it sounded like, like, synthy kind of goblin whatever. And then at some points it sounded mad. And at one point, I think it was towards end. It sounded like it could have been an episode of Charlie's Angels or something. Okay. See, I, I didn't, I didn't mind the soundtrack. I enjoyed the whole more music the whole way through. Just that, I know. I imagine if you watched it for too long, your mind would just turn to mush. But just that constant piano thing, just that constant little jazz funk piano thing, great. Loved it. I think the, I think the soundtrack worked absolutely fine. And Shaun of the Dead also took from it in the opening as well, which was the first time I noticed it. But yeah, I, for the soundtrack, I, I, it almost to me felt like it were loads of different films. Like they, like they fucked up or they messed up, and like just started adding things from loads of different films on there. But interesting that you liked it. On a musical note, am I the only one who thought that um, Francine looked like Lady Gaga? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I thought she looked an actor like Lady Gaga. And in this film, what it does a lot, I think, is it challenges like the um, like uh, sexual ser- sexual stereotypes. The sexual stereotyping. The sexual stereotypes. Because at one point we have Francine, it was all like, "I am part of this group. I'm not your tea lady. You involve me in your decisions." Mm. And her boyfriend starts getting really pissed off at her because she's like standing her ground. So I thought that was quite interesting. The, and the fact that... Sorry, I was going to say, yeah, the, only, the only odd thing with that is, because we have no backstory on them before this happened, so she's working at the TV studio to begin with, and then suddenly she's on the roof perfectly firing a rifle. No, they, they have some um, practice in ice rings. No, that's after. It's after. She went perfectly firing it. She's hitting... She she's, she hitting, she's hitting everyone and load, not even missing yeah, the reload. Hitting them. Hitting them. There's an interesting scene. That's when they're moving the trucks, isn't it? Yeah. But there's an interesting moment of what I thought were interesting anyway. There's a moment where, um, what's his name? Is it Scott? Not Scott. Roger. So the blonde army man. Yeah? Yeah. There's a moment when they're moving that, when he gets out of a truck, and a zombie comes up to him and kind of puts his hand on his face and strokes him. And he kind of stops and stares as if he doesn't know what to do and then gets really angry and hits him. And I'm like, hmm, is that something to do with his sexuality there? I've picked up on that. That is really because he, he does look really affronted. He doesn't seem to care. The fact that zombies are trying to eat him generally, mm. that's fine. But this one zombie doing that, and he really does punch him in the face. Maybe, yeah, it's, the fact that it, maybe it's the fact that the zombie showed some sort of human side and it made the whole killing of them a lot harder to do given if if they have emotions it makes them a person whereas before you could just view them as dead maybe maybe but prior to that they kind of already discussed the fact that the people are kind of like 
acting on a, a, a sort of human impulse, which is why they're going to the shop, mm. the mall. I just thought it, it to me it felt like a like I was like, are we challenging masculinity, or are we challenging is his is his own sexuality being challenged? Because it's obviously his relationship and build up of relationship is with um, Roger. No, he is Roger. It's with Ken Florey's character. Mm. Um, so I, it just made me wonder whether there was some kind of like hidden subtext that could be wrong. I guess we'll never know unless we go on the internet and find out. But do you know when he does get bit eventually? Did anyone care? Do you know, like I said, I like the idea of caring about the characters. I didn't care about him. I didn't okay. like his character. I didn't care when any of them got there. Oh, really? Mm, yeah. I like. What I did like was, and again, just linking back to sexuality, um, and I know it's not the same, but watching Roger die, uh, and this is going to sound bad, but it's almost like watching someone who's got a long-term illness, specifically something like AIDS, yeah. watching how he becomes frail and weak from a bite or an infection, um, yeah, it's almost uh, to me like, and then marrying that with like the the anger at the male zombie for touching. That would it, make sense. It felt a bit like we were like we were trying to say something, but we didn't really want to or know how to or were brave enough to at that time. Okay. So I don't even know if AIDS were prevalent at that time. Were prevalent in the eighties, weren't it? So, well, yeah. Well, this is like seventy-eight, is it? Yeah. So it's coming up eighties. It did feel like watching someone, like, a slow death, which, again, I mean, he got bit twice, which was quite interesting at the time, because he weren't just getting up and becoming a zombie straight away. Did he cut off his leg? No, he, he bandaged yeah. it. But they, they say during about infection, how it takes time to, how it takes time to spread, because they work that into the script, just so you don't go, oh, I wonder why he didn't immediately turn. For some reason, I thought he cut his leg off. I don't know why. So with this film, I think that one of the big problems lies in the, the kind of tone. And I think the tone gets a little confused halfway through. So you know when the bikers break in mm. and they, they have like they start pretty much playing with the zombies and they have like a pie fight oh, and stuff God. like that. It just felt juvenile. Yeah. Um, and just kind of messes with the tone of the film. But I don't think it achieves anything. Because then it starts to start getting dark. But I, actually, I guess when it starts getting dark and they start getting killed and things start breaking down, I think that's kind of. I think it does have something to say. Because at the start of the film, you've got the military who are going in and that guy who's just going round happily killing people because he's, he's got free reign to do it. You've got an excuse to do it. And he's going ahead and doing it. And in this one, they've managed to keep some sort of order in that they're keeping out of their way. And for the most part, the zombies are keeping out of theirs. So they've got their own space, the zombies have got theirs. But then these bikers come in and just start fucking everything up. And it's like, well, now you've ruined the dynamic of what we've strived to create so far to get out safely. You've just ruined that plan entirely. So I think it does say something about it. Just people coming in and not viewing it in a smart way, not, you know, trying to survive in a smart way. Just doing whatever they want because you can. Who's going to stop you? Yeah, what they do, like the, the, the breakdown of how 
humans act in society as something to say. I just thought the, the way he did it, like with the pie fight, didn't make sense. Okay. It wasn't, you know, like if they came in and just started whacking the zombies over the head or, you know, catching them like and doing what they're doing later zombie films, like where they get them fighting with each other, then that would make more sense than I'm going to throw a pie at you, which seems quite juvenile. That's, that's... Yeah, like I say, I, I just see it as there's nobody there to stop them to doing whatever they want, so they do whatever they want, and I guess it's whatever comes to hand first. They're there squirting like water guns on them because they probably just got a hold of some water guns. I don't know. Fair enough. But yeah, I, I think yeah. Well, if I don't think you can do an actual direct comparison of Dawn of the Dead to Dawn of the Dead two thousand and four. No. I think... I feel like the 2004, everyone says it's a remake. I feel like it's more of a reimagining yes. of the first film. We've just taken a few. We've taken them all. The mall is really the only consistent thing. Yeah, true. Um, to be honest. Um, and the fact that one of the shops is named after Galen Ross, who plays Francine in the original. But, like, yeah. They, what shop's they, that? It's when they first, do you know, like, when they first walk up the hill to see the mall? Yeah. And you've got the big mall entrance, and there's like a, a shop type name. Yeah. And it's Gail Ross, and that's the actress who played. Oh, okay. Um, Francine. I did notice in the remake, well, the 2004 version as well, that the coffee shop was called um, Hallowed Ground Coffee, which I thought was quite yeah. cool. <laughs> Hallowed Ground. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, do, I, I don't think you can do a direct comparison of the two because I don't think, you know. It doesn't feel like a remake to me. Yeah. Where the 2004 one, it just feels like, it almost feels like picking, piggybacking off the success of something by using the same title. Mm. Um, but when I, when I look at them as two separate, like just two completely separate films, um, my preference is 2000, the 2004. As is version. mine. Yeah. Likewise. You know the difference? I think it's, I just think it's a lot more, it's, a fun, like, <laughs> it's more entertaining. I think the zombies are better. It just feels that the original I love, but I just wish, what I wish they'd have done is maybe lose some of the characters. So okay. they had more character building in the, rem- in the 2004 version. Yeah. So we got to know people a bit more. That I miss from the original. Um, and I wish they'd have used that um, Harry Krishna zombie <laughs> in the remake in the 2014. I remember, and this is another one, so I watched this again. Uh, I mean, I've seen Dorian of the Dead when I was a kid. And the only thing that I remember sticking out to me was that Harry Krishna zombie. Right. So to think that he didn't have that big a role in the film on a rewatch was a bit bizarre because that's primarily the only thing I remember. I found it weird that he went to the mall in the first place because Harry Krishna, not consumerism at all. So how he ended up at the mall, I don't know. But Chris said he might have been canvassing, maybe. Canvassing. Yeah, because that number there as well. Yeah. Maybe that's where they all go and hang out. You yeah. go you'd like the Pope and the Dalai Lama as you kick around Starbucks. <laughs> Hello, well, maybe, maybe around the area. Obviously, we don't know. We don't know what's around the area. There might be a church, a Hare Krishna place, a mosque on a line yeah. so that all religions can come together and go shopping. 
And isn't that the yeah. moral? Isn't that the moral of this film? <laughs> but yeah, so my my take on the film is I think Dawn of the Dead is a good film. I think it's got some really strong points. I just I do feel it kind of belongs. It, it, I think it's too long. Yeah. I don't like the like the newscaster scenes at the beginning. Um, I don't like watching the news on teller either okay. um i think you could have done me a bit more action and just shortened it a bit i do think it's a really good film okay and i i'm of the same opinion i mean kind of it is a good film it's just not not the greatest that everybody makes it out to be i think sorry <laughs> not sorry not sorry my opinion is valid all opinions are valid from yours no it's worth see that's the thing it's it's got a lot of important stuff to say but it's just not engrossing enough for me to actually feel the need to ever go back and watch it mm. so there you go that's our zombie episode I uh, hope you enjoyed if you didn't let us know if you did let us know but please don't come at me about Dawn of the Dead because we're in a lockdown, I'm fragile, I can't take it. We might randomly just re-release this episode in a couple of months and just go on matter. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, so, uh, yeah, if you want to get voting on which is your favourite, hit us up on our socials and we will gather all those together and be back next week with our results show. So that is goodbye from me, Faye. It's goodbye from me, Chris. And it's uh, goodbye from me, Mercer. Goodbye! Bye-bye. To keep up to date with everything we're doing, or if you want to contact us at all, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook and Letterboxd by searching for I Spit on Your Grids, Twitter by searching for the handle at SpitGrids, or you can email us on electricpossums at gmail.com.